financial literacy, and the human condition. Welcome to Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum. Welcome to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler, along with the money doctor, Dr. Francis Ram. Good morning. Good morning, Jess, and a happy new year to you. You as well. Did you go out or did you stay in? I know a lot of people stayed in this year. Yeah, I, I, well, I definitely stayed in. Yeah. What is it about the cobbler's kids don't always have shoes? Right. Uh, four years ago, I put in a new furnace and there was a problem with it. And of course, at the holidays, you know, trying to get it fixed and get parts, all of that's difficult. So I stuck pretty close to home. And thankfully, the cavalry is here today. The cavalry, sorry, is here today in my basement working on uh, my furnace. So I hope to have heat very soon. Oh, God, no heat. At least it hasn't been super, super cold. Well, you know, we talk about gratitude a lot when I'm working with clients about how to change their conversation that they're having with themselves about their money and how to feel happy about the things that you have. Mm -hmm. And I was really grateful that, that I had this wood stove insert that I could run, that I had warm weather, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. So sometimes you do have to look at the things you have, you know, glasses half empty right. or half, you know, hey, it's 2023, you don't have any heat or hey, it's 2023, they're here to hopefully fix it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the same thing happens, I think, for people when you, a similar thing happens to people when you're thinking about your retirement and you're trying to maybe be grateful for what you've got, but gee, it just doesn't seem so bright at the end of the tunnel and, you know, there's all these decisions to make. And what happens is a lot of times people, the result is that there's just too much to gather, too much to organize, too much to think about. Mm-hmm. It's exacerbated by some things like our own mortality and, you know, our uncertainty and things. So it's very interesting. These two professors from uh, UCLA, one in particular named Hal Hirschfield, who's a professor of marketing, behavioral decision-making, and psychology. Okay, not finance, <laughs> psychology, UCLA Anderson School of Management. And a company that I work with sometimes uh, solicited them, and they did this report. And what came back were basically four areas that they feel keep people from being successful at planning their retirement. Okay. So we'll talk about them, but, you know, we could always go into more depth about this. But the four areas really are longevity uncertainty, spending uncertainty, mm-hmm. investment outcome uncertainty, and decision uncertainty. Okay. The key word here being uncertainty. uncertainty. Because it turns out that when people are uncertain about things... They just don't do anything? Yeah, they get what we call analysis paralysis, right? It's, and uncertainty is a real emotional... Um, roadblock, mm-hmm. right? You want to solve these problems, but you aren't sure where to turn to solve these problems or how to solve these problems. Well, I think and it gets so- a little overwhelming too, because just yesterday, I didn't know we were going to talk about this today, but just yesterday when I was scrolling through my feed, I saw a thing about how you need a minimum of a million dollars in order to retire. So as soon as you yeah. see that, you're like, oh, forget it. You know, that's really true. And and in the business, that's really prevalent. Advisors throw that number around. It used to be half a million. Mm-hmm. It's now jump to a million, and it becomes a sort of a buzzword. You need a million dollars to retire. Well, you know how what my opinion is about this. Like, you need three months of savings, and you need you need what you need. Right, right. <laughs> An individual, you don't fit in the little box, mm-hmm. right? So when they're saying, well, you need a million dollars to retire, it's based on averages. It's based on median incomes. It's based on a, a number of things that that are not real life to you. And boy, dare I say this? <laughs> Behind all of this is the money machine. You know, trying to tell you how much you need to invest and where you need to place your dollars and how you need to do all this stuff because that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. It makes 
interest on that. They're making commissions on it. Whatever it happens to be, that's where the money is. There's no real value in telling you to eat out less to the person selling that idea to you. Right. I mean, even for us, where we do, you know, budget work and and uh, real down and dirty kind of you know, financial correction and behavioral corrections. Even for us, you know, our fees are so inexpensive. You're never going to get wealthy on you know what we charge people monthly to do this. But overall, you have a lot of people, and it's a small input but valuable input. Right. Mm-hmm. So it turns out that when people are really uncertain, as you said, they just don't do anything. Now to add, you know, salt to the rub salt in the wound here, there are four common retirement planning uncertainties. I mean, the four that we just named. Okay. Let's take the first one. Let's get this one out of the way. The longevity uncertainty. So, I don't know about you, mm-hmm. but most us, most of us, we rehearse these uh, little movies in our head, the conversations we're having with ourselves about the bad things that can happen to us, even mm-hmm. though we're not we're doing that, right? Uh, there was an example that a motivational speaker I heard just was talking about. If you've ever looked at your child, you know, in the cradle sleeping or whatever, and you have this very uh, emotional gratitude you know, wow, I'm so glad to be part of this. Isn't this the most wonderful thing that happened to me in my life? And immediately, for most of us, about 97%, I think it was, our mind turns immediately to what an awful thing could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so I think that's true for all of us. And most of us, as we get closer to retirement, we experience more people dying around us, and we start to check our own mortality. Yeah, you're we going to more funerals than weddings. Oh, yeah, that's, that's it's so sad. But it is part of life. And we start to say more and more to ourselves, oh, we got to get that done. Yep, yep, got to look at that. Oh, yeah, someday we'll look at that. It's just so vague, and it's so difficult to face your own mortality. This is why people who sell long-term care insurance will tell you that it's a very difficult sale. Mm. Because you have to accept that you might be in need of long-term care. You have to see yourself in the future in that way. And so the longevity roadblock is just that we have to face our own mortality in order to clear that hurdle. Mm -hmm. And that's really tough one because nobody knows how long they're going to live. Right, and most people don't want to think about it. Right, and so, but even if you think about it, it's almost impossible to plan for that uncertain thing. Mm -hmm. How much money am I going to need? Well, if somebody says you have three years to live or you have 20 years to live, you know how much money you're going to need. You can calculate that. But we have this open-ended, you know, who knows? We're not playing the cards here, right? We, We get whatever we get about life. So that uncertainty, that I don't know how long I'm going to live and that means I don't know how much money I'm going to need, is a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You know, we all think about it. Oh, I'm going to need enough money for the rest of my life. Well, and I also think that people feel younger lately. Like, to me, I just remember, you know, I remember being younger and looking at 50 thinking like, oh, that was older people. But it's yeah. not, you know. And people, I think, take better care of themselves and are living longer. So the thought of retiring at 65, you might still have another 30 years. Yeah, and that can compound the problem, believe it or not. Because when you hear you're going to need a million dollars to retire, mm-hmm. that happens if you start to think about, well, that's based on averages. I have longevity in my family or I take great care of myself. I think I'm going to live longer. That only translates to I'm going to need more money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talk about this all the time, but one of the major factors that that advisors ignore, in which we're really talking about in Hug Your Retirement under the Hug Your Money umbrella, of course, is the fact that you can do a lot for your retirement picture by getting rid of debt. Those dollars that go out the door to creditors, they could all be going into your retirement account, or they could all be not depleting your retirement account. So that longevity thing is the first hurdle to try 
try to get over. It is a really difficult one because we don't know how long we're going to live. And, you know, if we have to estimate into the future how much we're going to need, Mm -hmm. it's very difficult when you don't have a, a finite time. So, you know, people tend to resist this idea. Again, I think most people want to retire successfully, but there's so many roadblocks in the way. And most of my experience, we always think it's about the money. We always say, if I only made more money or if I spent less money, it would be okay at retirement. But really what's going on and the thing to pay attention to is not so much the financial product, the way you're going to get there. Okay. It's the emotional baggage we've all got. Even if you're the person in your your partnership that is fabulous with money, your partner may not be the same. Mm -hmm. And so now you're trying to plan this future life together, compounded by two lives, two people's ideas and methods about, you know, money and how what we learn about money from our parents and all of that gets to be really complex. So it always comes back to psychology. The math part, you know, for us, the math part is easy. We're able to show you right in, in the website, you know, this is how much money you have coming in. This is what you have going out. Here's your investments. Let's put it all in a pool together and come up with, you know, an identifiable result. And we can see whether there's room for improvement, how to make that. That part of it, so the collection of the data and the math, the logistics of it, the mechanics of it, mm-hmm. that's the easy part, believe it or not. That's the easy part. Getting out of our own way and doing it is always the harder part for people. And so, you know, that's why we offer this kind of support and why you and I are talking about the psychology of retirement and not, hey, you should buy this product. Right. And I think about with retiring, too, like I think there's a difference between retiring and having just enough money to scrape by and retiring and doing all those things. Like you always think about retiring and the things you want to do and you don't have to work anymore. So you can travel and you can go visit the grandkids and you can, you know, do all these things that were on your bucket list of things to do. But if you have just enough money to pay your bills for so much per year for the 30 years, then retirement doesn't seem like such a great option. No, that, that's definitely true. In fact, um, you know, as advisors, we sometimes will offer an annuity as part of a diversified portfolio, and people can then count on that. If the annuity is one that can generate lifetime income, then they can count on that in some way to maybe manage their daily expenses, right, to cover that kind of thing. And maybe the other part of their portfolio that's growth-oriented might be the thing that funds vacations and the kinds of lifestyle things you're talking about because those are more variable. And so sometimes that's an easy way for people to kind of divide their decision and say, okay, I don't know how long I'm going to live and I don't know how much that expense is going to be, but I do know that I have this annuity that's going to cover these projected expenses that are my necessities. And then I'm going to grow the rest of my money to try and, you know, fill in the blanks, travel, and and make those kinds of expenditures that I want in my future. The interesting thing about the spending uncertainty that we're talking about is that when you're trying to estimate into the future, 5, 10, 20 years from now, Mm -hmm. you know, some things are easy to calculate, like how much will my mortgage payment be or, you know, things like that. But health insurance, leisure activities, you know, those things are much more difficult to forecast with any sort of confidence. And when we don't feel confident, we usually give up. We say, well, this is difficult. I don't know how to do this. Not that, not in all areas, but when you have a lot of complex decisions, when you have an abundance of choices, mm-hmm. most people, it's too much. We just, we want either somebody else to make that choice for us, or we, we want to simplify it in some way, but we might not know how. So part of that is about our, the, the impulse that we have to underestimate how much we might spend in the future. Mm-hmm. So if you give somebody the choice of $5 today or $10 in six months, 
it's been proven that most people will choose the $5 now. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, it is. All of this psychology is it's fascinating. If you can internalize it, it can help you. So that becomes a real problem because people discount how much money they need in the future. Then they're surprised at the end when they realize they have more expenses and not enough money to cover it. Well, you said something a couple of weeks ago that I really loved. Um, you were talking about having money to cover your expenses, but then having something called a playcheck. Yeah, playcheck. So paychecks and playchecks, yeah. You know, there's for sure. I mean, what we were just talking about, about you might have an annuity or another kind of account that you can depend on forever. It's going to pay you no matter what. Mm-hmm. X number of dollars, like a pension right. would, right? Mm-hmm. You might have to prioritize that these days because people don't all have pensions anymore. And that might be your paycheck in retirement. And then the other part, the growth part, the bonds, the securities, the stocks, that might be more of your playcheck. And depending on how the market does when you retire, where the market's at and how it's doing, how your other accounts have done, that might allow you more or less play to be able to use those finances. There's an ingrained bias in us about future discounting. We tend to put more value on collecting things, more value on the current sort of consumption phase Mm -hmm. than we do on saving because we're saving for an uncertain future, right? So again, I mean, this is a, a little, I wouldn't call it deep, but it's a little on the psychology side, but it's there on purpose. Mm-hmm. So maybe when we come back in the second half, we can talk more about the other two uncertainties and figure out how people can maybe get some advice about how people can get around this and have this not be in their way so that they can really retire successfully. All right, that sounds great. Let's get your phone number. 413-773-3333. Or you can visit HugYourMoney.com. We'll be right back with part two of Financial Fitness with the money doctor, Dr. Francis Ram. It's next on WHMP. 